Hello. It's uh, great to be with 20% of you. As uh, yeah, this season is quite interesting, uh, where um, even for us, you know, we were uh, meeting at Hamilton, and we've moved to the Shinyongsan area, and we don't know who is who because uh, so much time has passed in these eight months. And so I know for Pastor James, Pastor Kerry, uh, as um, SIBC and Way Church has merged to form a new, uh, a new church, um, I know for you, you're also eagerly uh, waiting the day to see who really is Freedom Village. And so I'm, I'm just happy today to be able to preach to people uh, because it seems like uh, the numbers as it gets higher that this may not be a possibility next week. And so we'll see. But in light of that, uh, let me spend a moment and uh, pray as we get into the word. Father, we thank you that uh, in a season where there is so much uncertainty, there really is so much to be certain about, that you do love, you do know our struggle, And you understand our pain. Father, we pray that in this season, as we uh, learn to figure out what Christmas is and what what it looks like, God, we pray that you would do a good work in our hearts and our souls, that as we hear the word, that we would uh, walk away, not just understanding what we need to do, but understanding deeply what you have done. I pray for those who are at home uh, where they haven't been able to physically gather such an important aspect of our faith. I pray, God, that you would speak to them as well, not just the people here. Because, God, you know our struggle and you are pursuing us. So, God, we open up our hearts. We pray a a prayer uh, of blessing for Freedom Village. Uh, They've been such a, a blessing to so many churches Uh, Even so many churches uh, were able to live stream here during the pandemic. We thank you, God, that you've given them a heart of generosity. Uh, They have a beautiful space to be able to steward that well. And we know that as they do, you will only continue to work through this church. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So we're going through four weeks of Advent, both Freedom Village and Gospel City. We're actually doing this in collaboration. And one of the reasons was because Pastor James asked me to preach here. So I thought, let's just combine the series so that it's a little bit easier for me. But also, one of the reasons is because our hearts for both of us really is not just for English speakers, but also for Korea. Uh, We believe uh, the Lord has called us, uh, not just as pastors, but as missionaries, uh, to really help help, uh, bridge the gap of what God is doing globally, even here in Korea. And as we look into this series, we're we're doing four songs on uh, these songs of arrival, uh, these songs that are about Jesus and and, and his birth. And as we do, what we get a glimpse of is... Uh, the mind and heart of Mary, right? The mind and heart of Zechariah. What we get a glimpse into in these songs is not just these lyrics, the, the, this hymn, this declaration, declaration that comes out. What we see is 
what's actually going on in the depths of their soul. It's actually very beautiful, very, very insightful. Because what we see in the grand scheme of the Bible is what God is doing redemptively, historically, but also in the very you know, quiet moments, the quiet parts of your heart and, and, and of your life, what God is doing. And so we see this with Mary, with Zechariah, with the angels, with the angels who long to you know, understand the gospel, right? They, they, they're amazed by the grace of God towards human beings. So we hear the songs of angels and what's going on in their mind in this unique moment in history. And then Simeon. And so today we're on Zechariah's song, his song of praise. Historically, it's been called the Benedictus, which literally means in Latin to praise. And we need to. We need to learn to praise. Because of the pandemic, you have to learn to praise. As G.K. Chesterton once said, it's easy to be heavy, hard to be light. Ain't that the truth? Easy. Easy to be heavy. Easy to be pessimistic. Easy to, to look at all that is wrong. Hard to be light. And in this Christmas season, it's going to be potentially for some of us the hardest Christmas we have gone through. And so, how do we be light? Chesterton, in, uh, in his book, Orthodoxy, as he talks about this importance of praise, he actually says this about it, that we're actually most ourselves, that we're most alive when we praise. This is what he says. Man is more himself, man is more man-like, when joy is the fundamental thing in him and grief the superficial. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the heart. Joy is the uproarious labor by which all things live. The idea is you are most you. You are most yourself when you learn to praise. When you don't, when you get pessimistic, when you, get complain, when you, when you have a complaining, uh, grumbling heart, that is actually the furthest uh, away from how God has created you. And so we have to learn to praise, especially during Advent, especially in a pandemic, because we're created to be free, to, to praise regardless of our circumstance. And so we have, to, uh, we have to understand this idea of praise, and initially that all of us, we have a deep longing to praise. Tell your neighbor you have a deep longing to praise. I see that you don't do that here. Uh, that you have a deep longing in your heart. All of us, we are we are completely opposed to the idea of depression. We hate it. No one has to tell you that it is bad because in your heart you recognize this is wrong. And what we recognize is that you have a deep longing to praise. In verse 67, he says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And I know for many of you, you read this and you think, oh, yeah, it's, it's great. But you have to understand, this normally does not happen. I would actually contend that this is 
weird. If you think about it, four times it happens. Four times normal human beings like you and I have a moment, they pause, and they have this Holy Spirit-inspired moment, and they sing this song, or they prophesy these words. They've been called hymns. They've been called declarations. It's, it's strange. And the closest thing that you and I can probably understand is, compare this to, is maybe a musical, right? I remember the first time seeing a musical and thinking, this is strange, right? As the lights go dim, right? And as the spotlight shines on the person, and then they look away, and out of, after they were talking like this, and then they, they stop and they start singing, 5,000, right? They, they, do, they do this. And for many of us, we've come to love musicals. We've come to love music. Why? Because there, it's, it's the language of the soul. There's something that music can express that words cannot. A French poet, uh, he's French, so he definitely knows poetry, right? A French poet says this, uh, music expresses that which uh, cannot be put into words, that which cannot remain silent. And so what we see here are four instances where words alone would not have been sufficient to help us understand what is going on in all of redemptive history. And so it's this Holy Spirit-inspired moments, these songs, where they prophesy, where they sing. Even Martin Luther, he understood the importance of song, importance of praise, and he says, as long as we live, there is never enough singing. I mean, for how many of you, in those hard times. Yes, it might have been a sermon or opening up the word that was a ministry to you, but for how many of you, it was a song. A song, a truth that you already knew, but the song spoke to you and ministered to you in that, in that way. You see, the, you see, what's happening here is from the depths of the heart. That's what praise is. It's not just a song. It's not just a words put to a melody. This is what praise is. This is what we're seeing happening to Zechariah. Praise is the depths of the heart completely and utterly satisfied. It's the heart so full of joy, the heart cannot contain, and therefore there's, it's this Holy Spirit-inspired moment of prophesying, of singing these hymns. They're so well known that this one is called the Benedictus. What we see here is, in essence, in short, a real-life musical, right? Someone so filled with joy that he cannot contain himself. All the ways in which we love music, all the reasons that we love a, a musical, what it's pointing to is a greater reality. And so Christmas and the sentiments of Christmas, the lights, the songs, all the, the feels right, that you have, all that's pointing to is actually the greater reality, the greater story of Christmas. And so uh, in this Christmas season, 
Know that though you can't have maybe the, the regular sentiments of Christmas, you know, of going back home, eating the holiday food, but know that all of that does point to a greater story, a greater truth that these hymns show us. You may not be able to go home this Christmas, but what you do get is the real Christmas. That's what you do have. And so there's even reason to praise in uh, this COVID season as we think about, as we think about uh, Advent. But as you think about the ways in which you want to be able to praise, we also understand there's many obstacles to this. You want to, right? All of us, we desire to. We aim to be men and women who are filled with joy. That's our, that's our desire. But internally, there's so many obstacles. There's so many challenges to be able to praise. Because we want to be men and women who praise. We want to be men and women who are free, genuinely uh, living as how God created us to be, right? uh, being most like ourselves as God has created us. And the context, the reason it's so hard to praise, we see with Zechariah, is there was something that he needed to go through in order to be able to praise. Because the context of this song is actually goes back several months. Because if you know the story in Luke 1.20, when the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and tells him that he will have a child, his response is this. He doesn't believe, right? In verse 20, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. This is before Elizabeth gets pregnant, meaning it's minimum 10 months, maybe even more. And think about it. For 10 months, he was mute. Probably also deaf, unable to hear. And he was mute. Why? Because he did not believe God. He could not see what God was doing. And so what did God have to do? His plan was not to simply discipline Zechariah for discipline's sake. No, he was a critical uh, part of this plan of redemption. He needed to be able to see what God was doing in all of redemption, that their child, John the Baptist, would play a key role in the plan of redemption. And Zechariah needed to understand this to be able to parent him, to be able to see what's going on, to be able to praise And so, for at least 10 months, unable to speak, unable to hear, he is disciplined because his heart was proud. Because his heart was proud, he could not see God. Psalm 10.4 says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. It is pride within you that says, oh, in this pandemic, there is nothing good. That's pride speaking. Pride is speaking. What pride says is because I can't go home for Christmas, there is no reason to praise. 
That's pride speaking. It's nothing, it's no different than a child. Where they're so bent on having their way that they can't understand that their father, their mother may be able to see differently, have greater wisdom. And so they're so bent on having their way, they're not going to try different kinds of food because they believe, they know. And what we see here is that Zechariah needed to be humbled because he could not see God and what he was doing. You see, proud people cannot praise God because proud people cannot see God. And so the question is, are you able to praise in this season of the pandemic? Because if you can't praise, that means you can't see God. You can't see his grace. You can't see his mercy. Do you know how a proud person would have responded? Someone who was not broken and humbled? Because for Zechariah, the first thing that he does after this is he does bless God. So his pride is broken and he is humbled. But for those of us who are proud, God breaks us or tries to break us, and we're not broken, do you know how we would have responded? For Zechariah, he sings, he blesses God, and for others, what they would have probably done is said, God, finally I can speak. Finally I can hear. It's about time, God. Isn't that how a proud person interacts with God? God, there is nothing good that you'll be doing in this season. I have all the right to to throw my pity parties because I can't see what you're doing. That must mean that, God, you have nothing good that you are doing. Right? We, We interpret that as, see, God doesn't exist. God doesn't love me. And what's the crazy part of all of this is if you know the story, Zechariah, he's a priest. He's a priest of the Old Testament way. He's been doing this for a long time. It says he's an old man. What that shows is that even for you, you may have been a committed believer for a long time, but there can be elements of pride within you that you do not see. And because you do not realize this pride within you, you cannot see what God is doing. You see, there's so many reasons we cannot praise. We long to, we want to, but we can't. There's this deep obstacle within our hearts. It's called pride. And so, in this pandemic, I do believe one of the things God is doing is humbling us. Helping us recognize that we are nothing apart from God, that our bodies are vulnerable, that one virus can impact all of the world. Right? How many of us are looking to see when the vaccine's going to come? Right? And I want the vaccine to come, but I have to hope in something greater than a vaccine. You see, by being humble, the one who disbelieves starts to believe. By being humbled, he learns his lesson. And by being humbled, he can now see God 
and see his grace, see his provision. These are the obstacles within us. If God is doing something in your heart, in your life, maybe you're going through a hard season. I ask you, take a step back. Though you may not be able to see what God is doing, can you trust that God still is working, that something good can and will come out of this? That's the obstacle. And now the reason for praise. Now we're getting to get, get into the meat of all of this. You see, you'll see in, in uh, all four of these songs, they don't praise because they're commanded. Right? They don't, the angel doesn't come and say, now lift up your hands and now prophesy. You see, because praise is not done out of duty. Praise is done out of response, out of delight. If you are not praising, it's not that you have to be, quote-unquote, a better Christian. No, you have to go back to the Lord and let him minister and, and, and encounter your heart. Because what we see here is these people suddenly realizing what God is doing. And in that moment, when they recognize what God is doing, they can't help but to. It wells up from within them. They want to praise. Isaiah 43 prophesies this whole idea of what God is doing. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, referring to John the Baptist. He's doing a new thing. And so for Zechariah, he's recognizing this is different. God is doing something, and he's finally able to see it. And you see, praise is also different than celebration, because one of the things that you're going to see throughout all of this is how God-centered all of this praise is. Pastor James alluded to it last week, right? That, that, that worship is not self-centered. Worship is God-centered. Praise is God-centered. Celebration is often me-centered, right? What do you celebrate? Your birthday, your promotion, right? Your team winning that game. So it's different When something good happens to you, you're celebrating. When God answers your prayer, you're celebrating. But the question is, does your celebration turn into praise? Because here, they finally have the child that they've been praying for. In their old age, they've been wanting a child for years. Even verse 13 Right? Gabriel even says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers, your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call, him, call his name John. And what's so amazing to me about all of this is this, this song is not about, God, finally thank you for giving me a child. God, finally, thank you. We've been waiting for so long. You heard my prayer. It's so utterly different that if you miss this, you will continue 
to struggle in praising God. Because all you're thinking is, okay, I just need to think and, and meditate a little bit more. I need to just try a little bit more. And then I'll praise. No, no, no. Your heart has to be radically changed in a way where you care about God and his kingdom much, much more than you and your comfort. And so what we see here is a man who has been humbled through the hard disciplining of God and he has welcomed it. He has learned his lesson. He has, in this brokenness, seen the, the power and the beauty and the work of God. And so now in verse 76, he says, You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. It's about the child, John, but it's so not about the child. It's all about Jesus. Verse 78, how is somebody so radically changed? It's when you start to realize, verse 78, that you need mercy because of the tender mercy of God. You see, his pride and being broken helped him recognize his great and deep need. And then it says, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Have you ever been in the dark? Have you ever been lost? Have you ever felt a darkness within you that you just could not shake? For those of you who have suffered, who have had that dark night of the soul, you can resonate with this. You can say, like Zechariah, yes, what what I need more than anything is his mercy. How does he receive mercy? How does he get, uh, how is he, When he is lost, how does he find his path again? In verse 77, we see that he needed what John will provide is to give a knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Zechariah knew his offense. And in that he knew he needed not just a son, or he wanted a son, but he realized he needed saving. He needed to be forgiven. You see, this whole idea of darkness and being lost, right? This idea of someone needing to guide us. It's not, it's not that you need a teacher, a wise man to give you some wisdom. It's not that you need to see a psychic and figure out what the future holds to be able to brace your own heart. It's not that you need a therapist to counsel you. What you need is a merciful Savior who sees your sin and has compassion on you. 
And it's when that heart who has experienced the plight of his own soul, right? When you recognize your sin, not just as mistakes, right? Not just as, oh, I was foolish when I was younger. But when you recognize the sin, right? When you actually push God away and in your heart of hearts you believe, God, I can run my life. You help me and guide me. I don't need you as Lord. I don't need you to forgive me. What this man, Zechariah, has understood is not just that the world needs a wise teacher, that the world needs salvation. And this is why he worships, right? Salvation is not merely something you know. It is something that you experience. It's not just something that you experience one day. It's something that you continually, every day, experience. His mercy, his grace. That is how this man is so God-centered. It's not because he's so noble. It's because he has tasted the goodness of God. His heart has been radically, deeply transformed. And so when you read even verses 68, what you see is not just boring historical accounts of what God has done. What you recognize is the central importance of God and his love, his covenant, his faithfulness. And so the one who has experienced God's grace in the midst of our struggle will say, like in verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation, the idea of strength, real strength, a salvation that will endure in the house of his servant David. Going back a thousand years or so. Now Zechariah is recalling all the ways in which God is doing all of this. And he is recognizing God is moving not because of Zechariah's goodness, this was all decided before Zechariah. So he's overwhelmed at this point. He is overwhelmed at the sense of God's faithfulness. In verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thinking about Isaiah who prophesied the coming of a Messiah about 700 years ago. Even in Malachi in chapter 4, a reference to the Son of the Most High, that in his, in his wings, that there will, be, there will shine light. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant to us. Abraham was probably about 2,000 He lived about 2,000 years before. Do you see why he goes back? He is overwhelmed at God and his faithfulness when he has just experienced his own pride. It's in that moment when you recognize how much you do fall short, you recognize how great God is, that he has bridged the gap. And that's why in verse 74 now you have to see this, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, what? Might serve him. Might serve him without fear. 
This is a new idea. All of the Old Testament is about the holiness of God. When his presence would come, right, it would, it would cover the cloud, with, cover the mountain with his glory. Right? There's several instances of men not honoring the holiness of God and being struck down. And so how is it, how is it that Zechariah can say that we may serve him without fear? Because he's starting to understand, like the rest of us, for the first time in HD, in color clarity, the grace and the mercy of God for people like you and me. So he's able to say, we're going to serve him. We're going to serve him. We're genuinely, not out of fear, not because we have to, but we get to. He's going to regenerate our hearts. He's going to forgive us of our sins. What they were looking for this whole time was someone who will be, bring the kingdom of God. What they didn't recognize is what they deeply needed. What God wanted to do all the more was be the redeemer of their souls. You see, Christianity, it is not advice. It is not me telling you, okay, now go out and praise. Christianity is, do you recognize, like Zechariah, like all these people, in a moment they recognize God is doing something, and in their hearts, out of the depths of their hearts, they worship, they celebrate, they praise. Once you can see that even in the pandemic, God is doing something, what happens within you? You praise. Because you recognize the plight of this world. It's COVID-19. And then COVID-20. And then COVID-21. If you think this is the only pandemic you will go through, chances are it doesn't seem like it. And so it's good news that God has come to redeem men and women like you and I. There's a song that I want to reference in light of Christmas. You know, you know the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, right? Great song, right? Probably the, the most misleading song because of the melody. It sounds so nice. But the lyrics of the song should strike fear into every child. Because what are the words? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, if it's not a threat, it's a warning. Right? You better not cry. You better watch out. You better not pout. Right? He's making a list. Checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. I mean, what kid's going to pass this test? There's the list. Santa Claus is checking it twice. Did you lie to your parents? Yes. I don't need it. He doesn't, he doesn't even need to check it twice, right? I'm not saying your kids aren't beautiful, valuable, made in the image of God. I am saying, and every child knows this, they struggle with guilt. And so... This whole idea, right? It's about fear. 
He sees you when you're sleeping. Now, that's just creepy, right? (laughs) And he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. I mean, that's just depressing. It's depressing. You, go out and be good for goodness sake. What will you get? You'll get modern-day politics in America or Korea, right? That's the idea. If you want, if your aim is just to be as good as you can be, it's tragic. And so Zechariah says, right, you'll serve him without fear. And so I rewrote the song as Jesus Christ is coming to town. Right? You better watch out. Oh, you better cry out. You better shout out. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming to town. Amen? It's not a warning of watching out. Be on your best behavior. No, it's, an, it's anticipating. You better watch out. He is coming again. He has come to save. He has come now to glorify. So cry out, shout out. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Why? He's coming to save because Jesus is nice. Because Jesus Christ is coming to town. It's not a list of people who've been bad or good. It's a list of those who have been humbled and put their faith in him. It's a list of people who have been bad, bad, who recognize their badness and therefore put their faith in him. He sees when you're sleeping, but he's watching over you. He knows when you're awake because he's watching over you. He knows we cannot save ourselves, so he saves us for his glory's sake. That's good news. If it was dependent on us, story is over after Genesis 3. Because of his faithfulness, 2,000 years ago, he made a promise with Abraham. Many years later, David, this covenant, Years later, centuries later, to Isaiah, to Malachi, 400 years pass, and then Jesus comes. And in this moment, Zechariah is able to understand, my son has the honor to prepare the hearts of people for that Messiah. And 2,000 years later, The question is, do you see what you've been saved from and what you're saved to? Do you see that though we live in a pandemic, there is still so much to praise for what God has done, what he is doing in you? He is faithful. He was faithful to Zechariah, faithful to to John the Baptist 2,000 years later. He's faithful to you. Did you screw up and struggle this past week? Yeah, you did, but he's going to be faithful. Why? For his glory's sake. And so we, you and I, what do we do? We humble ourselves again, and we give him the glory. We recognize life is not about us. It's not about what we don't get in this Christmas. It's about what we do get 
that Christ emptied himself, became a man, a child, a baby, humbled himself to the point of death, even unto a cross, so that people like you and I would know true peace, would not have darkness in our souls, but have light in our souls, to be able to be who we're created to be, men and women who praise. Let's pray.